Momentum presents bringing in-depth experience in improving maternal, newborn, and child health services, family planning, and reproductive health care in countries around the world. Providing technical and capacity development assistance to country leaders and governments and ensuring that mothers and babies have access to essential care in order to reach their full potential. We are Momentum Country and Global Leadership, funded by the U.S. Agency for International Development. Welcome to Momentum Presents. Hello, I'm Angela Pereira, your host for Momentum Presents. This season is all about localization, how shifting power and resources to communities can improve maternal, newborn, and child health. Today, we are talking about that power shift within the world of immunization. We know that vaccines are one of the best tools that we have to prevent diseases like polio, measles, and others. And now the big catch up is underway. This is a targeted global effort to boost vaccination among children following declines driven by the COVID-19 pandemic. The hope is to reach zero dose children, those kids who have had no vaccines at all, and under immunized children, those who have had some routine vaccines but are missing others. So I'm joined today by two distinguished guests who can share stories of their efforts to help catch up and reach zero dose in under immunized children with life-saving vaccines through innovative tools and community engagement. So welcome to Josea Rakotoa Rimanana, an immunization officer of the Momentum Country and Global Leadership Project in Madagascar. He specializes in implementing innovative approaches to improve healthcare delivery and vaccination programs in the country. Among these innovative approaches is the Z-Drop tool, which we will hear about on today's episode. Next, we have Dr. Grasa Matsinye, a medical doctor with extensive experience in immunization. She is the National Immunization Technical Lead for the Momentum Routine Immunization Transformation and Equity Project in Mozambique. Previously, she directed the country's expanded program on immunization, where she helps lead the design, implementation, and monitoring of immunization strategies and health policies. Welcome, Grasa and Josea. I'm so thrilled to have both of you here today. Why don't we start with you, Josea? Tell me more about the Big Catch-Up campaign. Why is it important? Thank you so much, Angela. We talk about Big Catch-Up when two countries like Madagascar and Mozambique present the uh, number of zero-dose children higher than the, the global mean. So for both Madagascar and Mozambique, we have one mean three children who are zero-dose. The global mean is one mean five. So what is the statistics? So globally, we have around 15 million children who are zero-dose in 2022. And in ratio, we can transform it in one in five children or zero-dose children in 2023, which is very, very critical. So in countries like Madagascar and Mozambique, one in three kids are considered zero-dose, which is far above the global average of one in five. Grasa, can you jump in here and explain why these children are not vaccinated? Hi, Angela. Hi, Isaiah. Uh, first, let me acknowledge the invitation to be here and speak about uh, the country experience on immunization, which is a very exciting topic. 
there are many reasons why children are not vaccinated. And we can look at the reasons both at the health system's perspective, we can look at at the community perspective, but also at the health workers' perspective. If you look at the health system's perspective, one of the reasons why children are not vaccinated is low level of quality care. You know, no one wants to go to the health facility and not get the vaccines according to what they expect. The other issue from the health system's perspective is the location of the health of the health facilities, but also the waiting time at the health facility in some settings is very very high, which makes the mothers and the, the the caregivers not want to go to the health facility because they they miss the hours to go to the field, the hours to go working. If we look to the health worker perspective, one of the challenges has to do with the limited knowledge of the health workers. No parent wants to feel insecure when they hand the children to the health worker. If we look at the community perspective, one crucial thing has to do with the education of the communities. If the mothers or the the parents are not educated enough, they will not know the importance of being vaccinated and they will not obviously adhere to the vaccination schedule. The other things that we cannot ignore, it has to do with the beliefs of the community, the taboos in the community, and also the hesitancy to get vaccinated. So there are many, many reasons, and those are some of the the ones that I can mention at this point. Can you also describe a scenario where populations are hard to reach compared to a scenario where vaccination hesitancy is high among a population? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, Angela, in our context in Mozambique, and I believe in many, many African countries, the health facilities network is very poor, which means that in a certain region, you have people walking very long distances to reach the nearest health facility. Imagine someone who has to walk one hour or two hours. So in that perspective, the distance from where people live to the health facility constitutes a barrier. And one of the strategies to minimize that barrier is the outreach activities, which means that the health workers will go to the community to provide the the health services, including immunization. So here we're speaking clearly about uh, people who live in hard-to-reach areas. The distance is one factor, but also you have people living in the mountains. Uh, You have people living in in places with uh, conflicts, like political conflicts and other kinds of conflicts. You have people living in in very fragile settings. While when we speak about people who are hard to vaccinate, here we're talking mostly about hesitancy. When we say hesitancy, we mean people who are hesitant of getting the vaccines, even though the vaccine is there and is available. Most of the time, because they lack knowledge about the importance of vaccination. Other times, they hesitate because they don't trust the health worker who is providing the vaccines. But they also hesitate because they're not sure about the quality of the vaccines. The most recent example, which was the COVID vaccines, I think all around the world, there was a lot of hesitancy of the vaccines at the beginning because people were not sure about the product that was being offered. But you also have places where hesitancy to, to vaccines is due to religious practices or religious beliefs. Let me give you one very precise example, taking these two situations. In our daily work, we try to understand the reasons why mothers are not taking the children to get vaccines or are delaying to take the children to get vaccines. And then we did a co-creation process where we work with the communities to try to understand 
the barriers of getting immunized. And one specific story, it was of a mother who lived something like four hours from the health facility. And then she had to wake up very early and walk and then sleep at her sister's house, which is very close to the health facility, so that in the next morning she can go to the facility. If you want to make sure that this woman will come back to the health facility, you have to be able to deliver very good quality at the health facility and make sure that she doesn't wait when she gets to the health facility. So those are some of the issues that we encounter on a daily basis. And if you want to reduce zero-dose children, we need to make sure that we understand these complexities. Okay, now changing to the hesitancy aspect. In this certain community, we went there as a vaccination team to educate, to mobilize the population, and then vaccinate the children in that community. And for our surprise, we get there in the community and we found this father of five children. Three of the children, they are above five years old, so they're no longer in vaccination age. But the most interesting thing about this parent is that he has never been to the health facility. So none of his children was vaccinated. The thing that was limiting for him was his religious beliefs. So he couldn't take his children to get vaccines. He couldn't himself go to the hospital for health care because he had very strong religious beliefs that limited him to, to seek health services. And with a lot of work, a lot of conversations, we were able to convince the parents to take the children to the health facility. And he was very happy after going to the health facility and get his children vaccinated. So I think this is a very good example of how hesitancy and how hard to reach areas are very big challenge to reach vaccination. Thanks, Grasa. And speaking about COVID vaccine hesitancy, what lessons has the Momentum Routine Immunization Transformation and Equity Project learned from the pandemic when it comes to reaching zero dose and under vaccinated children? COVID-19 pandemic tests our health systems and especially the, the communication aspect because there was so much uncertainty with regarding the vaccines, the side effects of the vaccines, the durability of protection and so on. And the health systems had to adapt very quickly and adjust the way they communicate to the communities. So one big lesson that we, we learned is the need to communicate in a way that we really address the needs of our beneficiaries, meaning that it's not just a matter of uh, saying, okay, get vaccinated because vaccines are good. No, we had to tailor our messages so that our communities, our population can really understand why vaccinating is important. Once people started understanding the benefits of being vaccinated against COVID, they automatically started to accept the vaccine. So this is something that we, we have learned and we, we are transporting into our routine immunization. But other thing that we learned with, uh, with COVID vaccination was the need to not only involve the communities, but also make sure that they take ownership on the vaccination interventions and they also take ownership on the decisions about their health. So involving everyone in the community is crucial. The other big lessons that we that we took from the COVID, it has to do with forging partnerships. In the immunization program for routine immunization, we have been working with what we called traditional EPI partners, 
Those are partners like UNICEF, WHO, Gavi, and other partners which are involved in immunization. But with COVID, we had to bring a new pool of partners like the private sector and many, many other players, civil society and other players. So this was also a very good lesson because we understood that we can um, bring other players on board, which might not be directly involved in health issues or directly involved in immunization, but definitely they have a role to play. I want to go back to that community engagement piece that you discussed before. Can you share a story of when you have seen strong community engagement on Mm -hmm. vaccinations Mm -hmm. and how that has played out? Yes, definitely. I was very recently in in one um, community and we had the opportunity to meet with some community structures. Here in Mozambique, we have what we call health committees, which are people from the community with very basic knowledge. Our intervention is to make sure that they know the basics about immunization and they can be the voices in the community on the importance of getting the children vaccinated and the benefits of all vaccines. Those are lay people in the community, but the way they embrace the immunization issue, it's very impressive to the point that we were at the community with them and we were just questioning them what they're doing and the challenges that they have and how they managed to identify the zero dose children. And I was so impressed that we didn't have to say anything more than what they just explained us, which showed that they really know what they have to do and they really committed in searching children in the community and making sure that these children are referred to the health facility to get vaccinated. So for me, that was very, very impressive because those are people who are not paid. They're doing that as, you know, volunteers. But the way they understand and the way they, they value the vaccination um, process, they're very, very engaged and very very committed to identifying children in, in the community, teaching the mothers about the importance of vaccination and referring these children to the, to the health facilities. And do you have a list of key ingredients that you would say are key to successful community engagement for vaccines? Yes, the the first one I would say is um, education, making sure that the people that we want to reach, they get the basic information about uh, about vaccines and the importance of getting vaccinated. But the other ingredient is understanding the needs of your community. You cannot just go to the community and speak about, uh, you need to get vaccinated, the vaccination is important, if you don't really understand the needs of the community. Another ingredient that I think it's very important is to tailor our communication to that specific target group. We need to be able to speak in a language that they can understand. We need to be able to communicate in a very easy way, not just you know with our very complex medical terms. And also, making sure that we respond to what they present us as uh, a concern. They have so many challenges in the community. They have so many concerns. We need to be able to deliver what they really are seeking from the health services. Another key ingredient, Angela, is ownership. Let's say if they own the vaccination process, the campaign, for instance, if you're doing campaign, 
or, or the, the mobile brigades when we're doing, it's much easier for the whole community to accept this information. So this is very important, ownership of the community. And one other thing is trust. We need to make sure that our community trusts the health services, our community trusts the health workers. Otherwise, we'll not be able to get into the community to address whatever issue they have. And finally, I think working hand in hand with community, this is this is crucial. We need to be there in the community. We need to understand the community and, and make sure that we don't leave the community behind in whatever decision we want to make. We're not making just decisions for them, but we also need to make sure that uh, they themselves uh, participate in this decision-making process. Thank you so much, Grasa. And now we're going to go to Hosea. Hosea, tell me about the Z-Drop tool in Madagascar. The Z-Drop stands for Zero Dose Reduction Operational Plan. It's a high-impact and objective-oriented technique used to identify, vaccinate, and follow up zero-dose communities, while we also uh, target the under-immunized children. And as a technique, it's composed of uh, many tools to be used by uh, health managers. We have tools to be used by community agents. We have tools to be used by all levels of the health program. So the Z-Drop is a technique supported by many, many tools. And how does the Z-Drop tool help identify unvaccinated populations? The Z-Drop is a technique that operates in the six steps and the six steps form a cycle. First, prioritization. The second, community engagement. The third, matching of the problems and potential solutions with data. The fourth is the implementation of the plan. Uh, the fifth is the evaluation. And the last is the pause and the reflect. The first step is the prioritization of sites from the regions of the country to the lowest level of the administrative uh, unit, which is a sector or square. And combined with the prioritization, we do a mapping. We intervene where the needs are higher where we have high number of zero-dose children or under-immunized children, and where the community is more difficult to reach. The second step is the community engagement to identify the problems and the potential uh, solutions from the community itself. The first step is the matching of the problems and potential solutions with data in order to do the micro-planning from the lowest level to the highest level from a bottom-up approach. The next step is the implementation of the plan. And during the implementation of the plan, we run a stringent monitoring system and learning. The next step is the evaluation using three sources of data. The first source of data is the triangulated data. The second source is the loss quality assurance sampling. And the third type of uh, data source is the programmatic data, which we use as part of the learning process. The last step is the most important, which is to pause and reflect. The pause and reflect is very important because if we do not take time to reflect on what we did, we cannot do better in the future. The pause and reflect is expressed at the level of the public primary health care, which is the CSP, and at the district level. 
And I want to link this Z-Drop tool back to community engagement, which Grasa talked about quite a bit. You explained as part of the process that you're really mapping, gathering data, and then making a plan on how to actually reach those areas. How does community engagement factor into that? How do you work with communities to co-create solutions for vaccination in the areas that need it most? We are not supposed to impose solutions. It's up to the community to find out the solutions that best fit their needs. But as technical assistants, we are here to support the community to find out the solutions that, that fit their needs. We support, as part of our technical assistance, to match what the state does the problems with the data that is uh, acceptable at the country and global level to transform the problems into facts and also to, to transform the potential ideas from the community into solutions. If we take a concrete example, in one Fukutani, which is like a village, the CSP or the Primary Public Health Center with the local administration, the Fukutani and the community agents identified that the majority of households who refused to get their children vaccinated and together identified a clear plan consisted of the intervention of the local administration to assist the community agents during the sensitization of this community while the vaccinators are doing advanced strategy, this specific activity helps us to know that the vaccinations were unknown. But due to this uh, community engagement strategy, the vaccination status of 100% of the children in this community is now known. And after that, we come to vaccinate around 19% of the zero dose and eligible children within a month. And we continue follow up on the children until the last necessary vaccine. Thank you so much for that example, Hosea. And I think another interesting aspect of localization here is that I understand that the Z-Drop tool was actually developed in Nigeria and then adapted for use in Madagascar. So can you talk a little bit about the adaptations that you've made to contextualize the tool for Madagascar specifically? We begin with the experiences and tools used in Nigeria and of course made and are making continuous adaptations. And we continue to bring innovation by uh, putting our own values in the tool. Till now, the adaptations we made are mainly on three main domains. The first adaptations we did and we are doing is on the indicators. We use the national uh, immunization policy of Madagascar to set up the indicators. For example, we don't have the same priority preventable uh, diseases. So for Madagascar, we use what is the priority in Madagascar. The second adaptation is on the levels of the intervention. In Madagascar, the difference is that we come to intervene to the lowest, the lowest, the lowest level of the administration, which is, I mentioned, a square. Or the sector. In Nigeria, the intervention came to, to intervene at the district uh, level. The third adaptation we did and we are doing is on the activities in the plan. Since both Z-Drop in Nigeria and Madagascar are made of community-driven solutions, naturally the activities differ one from another country. So the Z-Drop is not only a high-impact practice, 
It's also a highly focused intervention where actions are not taken without the certitude of minimum efficacy. And the good news is that now the districts of the capital city decided to, to implement the Z-Drop technique with uh, another project funded by uh, other partners. And it's a sign of uh, appropriation and national ownership of the technique, which Grasa already mentioned is a very good thing for our support. Thank you, Hosea, and thank you to Grasa for what I think has been a really interesting conversation on the role of localization in helping us catch up and get more children vaccinated around the globe. And so I want to wrap up by going back to that theme of localization and asking one last question on why, from your perspective as immunization experts, why does localization matter? So Grasa, I think we'll start with you. Well, Angela, localization is definitely uh, one of the key aspects if you want to reach zero-dose children, be it um, looking at the, at the health services or at the, at the community itself. From the health system perspective, you cannot reach zero-dose children if you're not in the community, if, if your actions are not embedded in the community. Looking at the underserved children or the zero-dose children, they are mostly in the hard-to-reach areas, in the most remote areas. The people, the communities which live in the last mile, therefore localization is, is one of the most important aspects. Thank you. And Jose, I'll ask that same question to you. Why does localization matter? Yes, localization matters. In public health, we operate using three main metrics the people, the place, and the time. The place is the localization. Compared with what Krasa mentioned, we go to the most distant. But sometimes, like for the case of Madagascar, we have unreached community which is near the health facility. The Z-Drop is a scientific and the scientific technique helps us identify precisely where we should go where we should deploy our resources and efforts. Localization matters. It doesn't mean that we are not going to go there. We are going to go where we have the highest number of zero children and where the community is the most, most difficult to reach. Thank you, Josea and Grasa. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We invite you to share this episode with your friends and with your colleagues and subscribe to our podcast for easy access to future episodes. Please stay tuned for more stories on ways that localization improves outcomes for moms and babies around the globe. This concludes this edition of Momentum Presents. For more information about our work, please visit www.usaidmomentum.org and follow us on Twitter at USAID underscore Momentum for additional resources.